Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and in the wake of the Falcons' absolutely ugly loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in week one of the 2021 NFL season, we're going to take a look at the players that actually played well. It's a short list. Um, our three up, our three down, and then we're going to look at stats, and in particular, some of the advanced stats from PFF. Who played well? Who didn't play well? I suspect you guys will know who some of those names are, uh, but let's jump into it. First, I want to start with our three up and our three down from writer Will McFadden at The Falcoholic. He covered that uh, on Monday at the site. You guys go there to check it out, but real quickly, I think this is a good list uh, to start off with, starting with the guys who are actually up, because uh, let's start with the positive in this case, as few of them as there were. Uh, the first one on the list has to be halfback Corderell Patterson. He was arguably one of the biggest surprises on Sunday. He looked like an absolute stud at running back. He was a phenomenal runner. He averaged nearly eight yards per carry uh, on just seven carries, 54 yards total. Uh, he looked better than our lead back, Mike Davis. Um, and I don't want to throw Davis under the bus here because the offensive line, which we'll get to in a little bit, was not doing him any favors. But Patterson showed that in a traditional running back role, they weren't using him in a gadget-type capacity. They were using him as a pure runner, and he was getting it done. And kudos to him. I think he deserves more touches going forward. I look forward to seeing what he can do uh, on a regular basis with even more carries. Hopefully he can get into that 10, 12, maybe even 15 carry mark uh, periodically just so we can see if that productivity can continue. But really impressed with what Patterson did. Second on Will's list, linebacker Jacob Tuyoti Mariner. Now, he ended up with the only sack of the day, and that's fine. Uh, I think uh, this is one of those guys that uh, for where he came from, undrafted, uh, and what we've asked from him, I think he has absolutely... Uh, given us more than what we could have expected. Uh, and honestly, he's he's a guy that has carved out a decent role for himself. Now, should he be a starter? Probably not. That's an indication of the quality of this defense. But realistically, as a rotational guy, I think we're getting uh, just a ton of good stuff from Jacob and really proud of his development within the Falcons organization over the past few years. Uh, third on the list, last name we'll mention here, is offensive lineman Chris Lindstrom. Uh, with everything that went bad on the offensive line, he was actually one of the few bright spots on that offensive line. He and Jake Matthews, really the two guys we expected to be the stalwarts on the offensive line, they held to that. They were uh, incredibly reliable. They were the only two guys on the offensive line that had a decent afternoon. Um, and as a third-year interior offensive lineman, it's nice that he's got that 
um, clamped down at this point. Even though he did face some difficult matchups in this game, uh, it looks like he's really beginning to round into a very solid uh, and maybe even better starter on the inside of the offensive line. Now for the three down. (laughs) Top of this list is going to come as no surprise offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield. We'll talk about his PFF grade here in a little bit, but clearly uh, you don't need a PFF grade to see that this guy was absolutely outmatched for the entire afternoon. The interior pass rush with Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, clearly just overwhelmed Mayfield over and over and over again. Matt Ryan had little to no time in the pocket. The running game was decent enough, uh, so you know some credit to him there. But as a pass blocker, he was absolutely devastatingly bad. How bad? (laughs) We'll get into that in just a little bit. But Jalen Mayfield tops the three-down list. Next after him, uh, this one's interesting, but I I can't can't argue with it. Russell Gage. And I don't think this is Russell Gage's fault. I think this is going to come back to uh, what was happening with the lack of protection, but also uh, with Arthur Smith. He was not drawing up the plays to get Gage uh, involved. And Gage probably had a favorable matchup uh, through portions of this game. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who's expected to be wide receiver two on this offense this year. And realistically, he was invisible in this game. He had, I think, one target, and it ended up being the ball that went out of bounds. And Gage could be so much more than that. We saw that last year. He, he had over 700 yards receiving um, whether or not he's a true wide receiver too, I think still remains to be seen. But as an additional option in the passing game, I think he's a quality target. I think he's someone that Matt Ryan showed he trusts uh, already. And it's sort of criminal that he was uh, completely invisible in this game. Uh, although, to be fair, most of our uh, receiving options were invisible throughout this game because of how bad the offensive lineman uh, played throughout. Finally, last name on this list, and it's not going to come as a big surprise, but another interior offensive lineman, this one's center Matt Hennessy. And this is a guy, you know, he and Jalen Mayfield both were facing some really, really good interior pass rushers and Fletcher Cox um, and, and Javon Hargrave. And I don't want to completely hold that against him. I don't think we have to write these guys off. We can hold multiple things to be true at the same time. Hennessy and Mayfield were absolutely dreadful in pass blocking. Um, and yet there's still reason to believe that with time they can turn into decent starters. Uh, but in the short term, we need that development to come quicker and sooner because we may lose Matt Ryan to injury if they continue to play this poorly. And obviously the game looming on the horizon against the Bucks, who have an absolutely fierce uh, front four it's, it doesn't look like things are going to get any easier for these two offensive linemen. Uh, we'll have to see what head coach Arthur Smith can do to help these guys improve in the week and or to adjust the scheme so that they're not exposed repeatedly like they were on Sunday. Um, hopefully that will get fixed. Hopefully the issues with these guys where penalties were concerned as well uh, will be addressed in this coming week. But again, our three up, three down, the guys that are at the top of the list, uh, Cordero Patterson, Jacob Tuyo, Tamariner, Chris Lindstrom, the guys rounding out the bottom of the list, Jalen Mayfield, wide receiver Russell Gage, and offensive lineman Matt Hennessy. Let's talk about those PFF grades. 
And I want to start with the offense. I want to start with the guys who actually held up their end of the bargain. And the, the name at the top of the list, our highest graded PFF uh, offensive player, was Cordero Patterson. Zero surprise there. Uh, 24 total snaps, uh, 74.8 overall grade, which is very good. Um, next to him, and this is something to watch in the coming week to see how this one plays out. Uh, he only had nine snaps, so take this with a grain of salt. This obviously could just be small sample size, and if you blow it up, it could go you know south very quickly. But offensive lineman Drew Dahlman, uh, who they have listed here at left guard, I think he took most of his snaps at left guard, nine snaps, uh, our second highest graded offensive lineman, 694 uh, 73.1 on the pass block, uh, one of our best pass blocking grades of the day. Uh, so he played very well. Number three on the list, Keith Smith. Uh, the fullback slash tight end. Uh, I say that because that's what they have him listed as uh, on the depth chart. He actually played well uh, in in all aspects. The only area where I think he he struggled considerably was as a runner. Um, But again, offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. But in 20 snaps, he was our third highest. And guys, I can't tell you how frustrating it is that um, when you're looking at a, a team uh, with guys like Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, um, that these are the three guys at the top of the list. Like That should not be happening, and that is entirely frustrating. Um, number four on the list, Chris Lindstrom, who we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, very good in pass blocking um, and, and held his own in run blocking. And fifth on the list, again, something to watch here, small sample size. He only had two snaps in the game at right guard was recently signed offensive lineman Colby Gossett. Um, so that is, you know, will Colby Gossett and or Drew Dahlman get an opportunity against Tampa Bay? Will they make the move that quickly to move away from Hennessy and or to move away from Jalen Mayfield? That's going to be a big question to, to pay attention to just from the small sample size. And again, I want to reemphasize that the small sample size says, yeah, maybe – Maybe we should look at these guys as an alternative um, to what we put out there on Sunday because what we put out there on Sunday clearly did not work. It was a god-awful performance. It absolutely hamstrung the entire offense. But was it a one-game anomaly? And do we is there reason to think that Hennessy and Mayfield could bounce back, play better against Tampa Bay? If so, you stick with them. If you feel like this could be an indication of player quality, do Dahlman and Gossett get the nod? PFF seems to think those two guys did well enough in limited snaps that it should be an open question. And we'll, we'll see how that plays out this week as the Falcons resume practices on Tuesday to get ready to go on the road to face the Buccaneers, the world champion Buccaneers. So we're going to talk about some of the guys that rounded out the bottom of the PFF list, including a notable grade that I have never seen before in all the years that I've been using the advanced stats from Pro Football Focus. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. We're going over some of the stats and the three-up, three-down list that we provided earlier. I've already given you the top guys on offense. Let's talk about the bottom guys, the guys who rounded out the bottom of this list. The absolute worst player on offense. Uh, No surprise here. Left guard, Jalen Mayfield, 64 snaps. Overall grade of 28.8. But if you follow me on Twitter, you may have already seen this. And if not, uh, and you're listening to this podcast, uh, this is literally the first time I've ever seen this in the regular season. I think we've seen this in the preseason before. Maybe not with the Falcons, but with other players. But in the regular season, I've never seen this before. For the first time ever, I've seen a pass-blocking grade that was under 2. And this is, a, this is a grading scale that is, you know, 1 to 100. Jalen Mayfield literally got a 1.4 pass-blocking grade from PFF. And normally I tell you guys, when it comes to advanced stats, you know, use this as a guide, not as an end-all, be-all you know, compare it to what you see on the field. And if you agree or disagree, you know, only let it influence you so much in that direction. And yet I can't argue with this grade. I, I don't, I think the only thing Mayfield could have done to make this grade worse was for him to turn around on every snap and tackle Matt Ryan himself. Like that is how bad that performance was. And I, I, I don't want to write the kid off because he was thrown into just a terrible situation where coming into camp because of the injuries to Gono and McGarry, they started him off at right tackle. They, they had uh, Josh Andrews in there at left guard for most of the preseason and, and you know, going into the first week of the regular season, it looked like Andrews was going to be the guy at left guard. So they, they put Mayfield there expecting him to be just a backup. And all of a sudden Andrews breaks his hand and they, basically tell Mayfield, yeah, you're going to play left guard now. And he's had very little time at the position. He played just, you know, 15 games in college and it was all at right tackle. And so I don't want to throw him under the bus and say, this guy is done. He's cooked. You know, he clearly was terrible. Um, And both of these things could be true at the same time. I think there, you know, there may be reason uh, to continue to give him a chance and see if he can grow and develop. But concurrently, he was the worst player on the offense on Sunday by a long shot. Now, right above him, wide receiver Russell Gage. Uh, We talked about him a little bit earlier. 46.7 grade, which is not great. And sadly, right above uh, Gage is right tackle Caleb McGarry. And his 46.9 grade had him just .2 off from being second to last. When we went into camp, I honestly felt like Matt Gono would have a legitimate shot of winning that right tackle spot until we found out he was injured. And of course, Gono's on the pup list. He won't be able to come back for at least six weeks. Even if he comes back after six weeks, it could take several weeks before he's back up to game speed. 
But if McGarry continues to play like this, and he was one of the guys I was quietly concerned about coming into the season. If McGarry continues to play like this and Gono comes back midseason, I would not at all be surprised if Gono takes over at right tackle and McGarry rides out the rest of the season on the bench. I don't want that to happen, but McGarry's opening performance was not inspiring at all. And he's got another difficult task ahead of him going up against Tampa Bay. Very, very frustrating to see that from a first-round pick from just a few years ago. Uh, Hopefully that improves. Next to him, uh, tight end Lee Smith, uh, who actually, to be fair, had a very good pass-blocking grade, 74.5. But his overall grade of 48, just not acceptable. Finally, uh, above him, Hayden Hurst, uh, another tight end with a 51.5 grade and an awful 24.9 pass blocking grade, which certainly is what hurt him the most here. I thought Hurst might actually have a decent game given some of the favorable matchups, but clearly the ball was not getting out to any of the receivers in this game consistently because of the offensive line issues. Where did some of our key players uh, like Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley end up? Matt Ryan was seventh on our list. Not a great game from him, certainly, but uh, not by any stretch the, the biggest problem on this offense. Calvin Ridley was sort of in the middle of the pack uh, at number 11. Jake Matthews, uh, even though he was at number 14 on the list, had our highest pass blocking grade at 80.9. So he, he did his job there. And uh, yeah, so that's what rounds out the offensive grades. Now let's take a look at the defensive side. I actually, all things considered, feel like the defense played fairly decently considering the circumstances that they were put in throughout this game where the offense was not uh, getting them off the field. I think these guys just started burning out because they were on the field way too much uh, towards the end of the game. At the top of the list, again, small sample size, so keep that in mind, nine total snaps. Um, Cornerback TJ Green uh, scored an 84.6, which was really solid, 78 in coverage. Um, that was easily our highest grade. Next to him, defensive lineman Jonathan Bullard, uh, who had actually 27 snaps, um, 72.0 overall defensive grade, uh, just an overall you know solid performance from him. Number three, uh, four snaps. So again, small sample size, keep that in mind. But linebacker Michael Walker, a player that many of us expected to be uh, a, a bigger, better contributor this year, and it looks like at least in this game, he was one of the better players. Number four on the list, uh, 15 total snaps. So here again, you know, sample size is a little bit small, but this is beginning to trend in the right direction for this guy. Young player, uh, safety Jalen Hawkins. So really excited to see uh, what that means for his ongoing development in that safety role. And number five, um, Fabian Moreau. Uh, that, you know, he got burned on the one touchdown. And honestly, you know, he was the player on that play, but it was a really good pick play that took him out. Um, it's hard to really come down, you know, really negative him on him for that play, but he had an overall very strong day. Uh, so kudos to him. Uh, the bottom five on defense, absolute worst of the worst, was John Kaminsky. Uh, he only had two snaps, though. I thought he was going to play a lot more than that. Really surprising to see that from him, but 24.8 gray for those two snaps. Next uh, above him, free safety Richie Grant, six total snaps. So again, sample size don't come down too hard on Grant for this. Um, you know, seventy-five point two on the tackle. So he actually showed to be a very good tackler. Uh, again, six snaps. For those of you who are concerned about the rookie, um, you know, just 
calm down. It's it's one game. It's six snaps. So let's not uh, get too upset about the one just yet. Uh, right above him, Jacob Tuyoti Mariner, who had 25 snaps, 47.3 grade. I actually thought he was much better than this. Uh, so maybe we'll take that one with a little bit of grain of salt. Um, right above him, Tyler Davidson, 40 snaps, 49.2 overall grade. And above him, uh, linebacker Deion Jones, unfortunately, who had a 49.7 grade. But funny enough, had an 84.6 pass rushing grade. So Dion apparently needs to rush the passer more. He literally had our best score as a pass rusher and actually was fairly good as a tackler with a 72.0. Now, where were some of our key guys on defense? Grady Jarrett was 14th. Uh, uncharacteristic for him. And I, again, I feel like this is maybe not 100% accurate. But then again, Grady missed some tackles that, you know, really, I think if he were at it, peak form would have pulled down the quarterback. So maybe where that, that's where some of that's coming from. But his grade of 54.9 is definitely well below what we uh, are used, used to seeing from him. A.J. Terrell uh, was actually number 10. So not a, not a terrible outing for him, 58.7 overall grade. Uh, decent coverage grade, not really great in the tackling department, which again is weird because he, he made a really good open field tackle early on in the game. And then Dante Fowler uh, was at number 8 with a 60.1 grade. Um, and he actually did well in run defense and tackling, but as a pass rusher, had a 49.2 grade, which will surprise absolutely nobody if you've been watching the Falcons for any any extended period of time. Um, Hopefully, this is not um, the beginning of a consistent trend for any of these players. Clearly, I think Grady Jarrett's going to bounce back. I would love to see Jalen Hawkins continue to, to score high and be one of our top defenders, as well as guys like Michael Walker, um, TJ Green as well. You know, love seeing some of these younger guys, guys we brought in, um, have an impact on this defense early on. But right now, not a whole lot to celebrate. You know, these are the the majority of these scores are on the wrong side of good and We've got Tampa Bay next. Um, Certainly, we're going to be talking about that this week at thefalcoholic.com and, of course, on the podcast. We will have a podcast very soon coming up with the numerous voicemails you guys left us giving us your thoughts on the game. The the podcast is purely going to feature what you guys, what our listeners, what our readers have to say about what happened on Sunday. We want your voice to be heard. And that's going to be happening here this week. So stay tuned to this podcast for that very special podcast. Um, As for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. This is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.